Good morning, podcast listeners. This is Pastor George, Tuolumne Community Baptist Church, and I just wanted to thank you this morning for tuning in. This is a Sunday before Christmas, December 22nd, 2019. Man, where did this year go? Was it as fast for you as it was for me? I think I've mentioned it a few times today. I, it's, I'm, I'm blown away. 2020 is here. It's right at the door. And Christmas is something that is so amazing. That's what I titled my message today, What's So Amazing About Christmas? And I'm going to share a little bit from my heart of what's so amazing about Christmas to me. And I think it will be to you too. I hope you enjoy this. God bless you. Merry Christmas to each and every one out there. God is such an amazing, wonderful God that he sent his son into this world to be born as a child. To think that this little child, Mary, was going to raise God. It's just an amazing, an amazing thing. Wow. What's so amazing about Christmas? We'll talk to you about it here in just a minute. God bless. I hope you enjoy. So what's so amazing about Christmas? A lot of stuff, huh? A lot of stuff. I talked about this a little bit last week, and it's been on my mind all week. I'm going to tell you in a little bit what's so amazing about Christmas to me, but before I do, I want to share some really cool facts. I asked several people this week the question, what's so amazing about Christmas to them? And they all had good answers. You know, the problem is, it was at work, and they all know that I'm a pastor, so they all put their little godly hats on and tried to give me good godly answers. But I was proud of them, nevertheless. But they gave me good answers in their own words. It didn't come close to the thoughts that I had, but they were good answers. And I, I was expecting them to say, well, it's all about the gifts, or it's all about family and, and the food. I love the food that comes with the holiday. You know, some might say it's the best time of year to go buy a car. That's when you're going to get the best deal. Or everything goes on sale, you know, on Black Friday, whatever that means. You know, all the sales that come with the season. But I didn't get those answers. Every answer that I got this last week, it all had to do with Jesus. And I, I got to say, I was really proud of them, even though they may have been just trying in their own way to please me. I, I don't know. But they were good answers. But do you realize... And I talked about this a little bit last week. The whole world, the whole world sets its calendar, bases its time on the birth of this baby boy. That's a pretty amazing fact. I mean, according to this very first Christmas, everything before Christ was B.C. and everything after his birth was A.D. And by the way, in case you don't know, A.D. doesn't mean after death. Just in case you didn't know, it actually means, next slide, dear. Dear, next slide. A little arrow on the right, just hit it. Just hit it. Just hit the little arrow on the right. All right. Some people think AD means after death, but it does not. It means anno domini which is Latin for the year of our Lord. And you know, there, are, uh, a, there is a movement to change that. 
that's just how our world is going, you know, but it's just amazing to me, this amazing fact, the BC and AC dating system was not taught in the Bible. It was actually not fully implemented or accepted until several centuries after Jesus' death. To me, that's amazing. Now, when the Bible tells us every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord, you might think, well, how is that going to happen? If he can get the world to base its time on the birth of a baby, you know, God can do anything. It's just an amazing, an amazing thing, what God has done. But before I tell you what's so amazing to Christmas, about Christmas for me, let me read you a little bit of Matthew's Christmas story. We were there a little earlier. She's got it. Now, the birth of Jesus was as follows. After his mother Mary betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting her to be made a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. Some translations actually even said that he were going to divorce her, you know, to break off the engagement. They were, he was just going to put her away. But i got to tell you, think about this for a minute. Joseph is an amazing guy. He's in, engaged to this little girl that's maybe 13, that has now become pregnant, and she knows she's never been with a man. And she was told by an angel, this is an incredible story. And I got to just stand here and think about what Joseph must have been thinking as he was going through this. So he decides that he was going to put her away because he loved this girl and he didn't want her to be ridiculed and persecuted. So he's going to put her away secretly and, and just where nobody would know. Verse 20 says, But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Wow. She will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, and it was the prophet Isaiah. Verse 23, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from his sleep, I think that dream would wake you up, huh? Yeah, I think you'd get right up and go. Did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife. Verse 25, and he did not know her till she had, been, till she had brought forth her firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. Wow. It's an amazing, it's just an amazing story. So what's so amazing about Christmas to me? Well, I was getting ready to tell you, but I looked at my notes and I've got more. So before I tell you what's so amazing, let me go here. Let's talk about, for just a minute, this prophecy. 
This prophecy was from Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, and it was to King Ahaz. He was the king of Judah, and he was not a godly king. He was not a God-fearing king, and God was trying to work with him. But Ahaz had his own ideas that did not include protecting Judah, his people. There was a country called Syria and Ephraim, and they were plotting against Judah to destroy it. But Ahaz had already set up a plan for his own. He was going to sell all of the people of Judah to Assyria. He was going to sell them off. He was going to take the money and run. He was going to sell them as slaves. He was going to sell all the people back into slavery. This is the kind of guy that he was. And yet God was still trying to deal with him, trying to tell him, your ideas aren't going to work, buddy. But he wasn't interested in hearing from God. But God goes and tells Isaiah to go talk to Ahaz. And he says this, Isaiah 7. Thus says the Lord God, it shall not stand, nor shall it come to pass. Well, we know what he's talking about there, right? His plans. It's not going to come to pass. It's not going to stand. You're an idiot. I'm sorry, but he was. And he goes on. Isaiah continues to talk to him, the Lord speaking through him. Verse 8, it says, For the head of Syria is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is Razan. Within 65 years, Ephraim will be broken, so it will not be a people. The head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is Ramallah's son. If you will not believe, surely, Ahaz, you will not be established. He was saying, if you don't believe me, everything you do is going to fail. You will not be established. And you're the king of Judah. You're the, you're the ruler of my, my tribe, the Judah. You know, I, I just, he just doesn't get it. So let's look at verse 10. It says, Moreover, the Lord spoke again to Ahaz, speaking through Isaiah. Ask a sign for yourself from the Lord your God. That is either... Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. God is saying, just if, if you won't believe what I'm trying to tell you because I'm trying to protect this, this people, ask me a sign and I'll give it to you. Let's go to the next scripture. Ahaz, he says, but Ahaz said, I will not ask nor will I test the Lord God. Man, it sounds kind of noble, huh? Sounds kind of religious. You know, we've heard that said, thou shalt not test the Lord thy God. But Ahaz, that wasn't his intention at all. He knew, he knew that if he got this word from God, that he would either have to believe it and respond to it, or face the consequences of God speaking to him and him not doing what God has said. He knew. He didn't want to hear it. He didn't want to hear it. But our God is so patient with us. He said, test me, and I'll let you know what is the truth. And I will protect Judah, even though you're an idiot. So God then said, throughout the prophet Isaiah, verse 13, 
He said, Hear now, O house of David. It is a small thing that you weary men, but will you weary my God also? This is what Isaiah was saying to him. You know, it's one thing, and you th- but you, you think you're going to wear out God by the way you're acting and, and not responding to what God has to say? Who do you think you are, Ahaz? Therefore, verse 14, the Lord himself will give you a sign. He will give you a sign. You don't want to pick one? I'll give you one. This was a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. This is where the prophecy in Matthew 1 comes from. So I got a question for you. Does anybody have any idea how much time it was between Isaiah and Matthew? 740 years. So I want to ask the question, what kind of prophecy was this that should make Ahaz believe that this God is going to do everything he can do to protect you if the prophecy that Isaiah gave Ahaz wasn't going to be fulfilled for 740 years? It kind of makes you think a little bit, like, God, what were you thinking? But if you think about it logically, it's really pretty easy because we have the same, the same question asked to us. The same prophecy applies to us. Does the Bible not tell us that Jesus is going to return? And, and we're supposed to believe. And I do. He is going to return. And this is the same kind of thing that he said to Ahaz. What he's saying is, hey, nothing, nothing, nothing can happen to the tribe of Judah. Nobody can take them out. You may be worried about Assyria or the Syrians or or these Ephraims. You may be worried about it, but they can't take you out. Because 740 years from now, which God didn't give him that date, but sometime in the future there's going to be a virgin born and the king is going to come through this virgin. You don't have to worry. And the same prophecy is for us. We don't have to worry. What Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross has given us life, and we're living life abundantly. You know, we think, well, it's all going to begin when we die and we go to heaven. We're walking in our eternity today. We have eternal life. It's ours. And all we have to do is believe and know what's happening It's the very same promise we have. We're supposed to believe. Well, let me read to you. Hebrews 9.28. I actually had a ton of scriptures. I took half of them out because I didn't want to wear you guys out. There are so many Bible prophecies about Jesus coming the second time. But let me just give you a few. Hebrews 9.28. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. Wait a minute, Pastor. I thought you said last week he died for all sins. Uh, He did. For every man. But not every man's going to accept him. Not every man's going to accept this. So he says, to them who eagerly wait, to them who believe, to them who are, are accepting his salvation... Let's go to the next ones. 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 and 2. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, 
You have no need that I should write to you. This is the Apostle Paul. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. We don't know the time or the day when he's going to come, but he's coming. And we should be excited because we're born again believers. This is the promise that God has given us that he is going to come. He's going to come. And here's the point that I'm trying to make about the whole prophecy with Ahaz, the same thing for us. The devil can't take you out. He can't take you out. Now, there is kind of a downside to that. And you have to understand this. You can. You can take yourself out. See, that's the thing. There's no way that Satan can get to us or kill us because you have eternal life. Did I just lose my mic? Wow. Just keep going? Okay. It'll keep recording because that's a different mic. It sure sounded weird to me, though. It all changed. Where was I? But you can. Oh, I know what I was saying. I, the thought just came back. Whew, went out, came back. Thank you, Jesus. Let me, let me refab it in my mind now. When we die, unless Jesus comes in my lifetime, people, I will die. That is not Satan taking me out. Okay? He can't. We live in a lost and dying world. If I wind up with some kind of disease, I've already had open heart surgery. If my heart goes bad, ticker cuts, I fall over dead. You can cry for me because you're going to miss me, but I'm in heaven. Okay? I'm walking in my eternity today. We're already there. There is no fear. There is no loss. It is better. In fact, I want to go. But I know that I have work to do here. I don't want to go by myself. I want to take everybody with me. Everybody I see, everybody I talk to, everybody driving down the road, I want to take them. I want them to go. So I have a, a purpose, and God has a plan and a purpose for each and every single one of us. But Satan cannot take you out, but the statement was you can. You can through possibly your frustrations. Have you ever made a bad decision because you've been hurt? Are angry? Well, some of you young guys maybe have. I remember the day when I would get hurt and angry, and I wasn't drinking. I was hurt and I was angry. I'd get behind the wheel of a car and I would drive fast. It, it, we're people, right? Am I, just, am I the only guy here that's done anything like that? No. You know? Okay, thank you. Because, you know, I made a bad decision because I was hurt and frustrated. And I jump behind a wheel of a car and I go driving and I hit a piece of black ice. I slide, I hit a tree and I die. That's not Satan taking me out. Guess who took me out? Me. Now, I'm not saying I'm not saved. If I'm saved, I'm still going to heaven. I mean, I, I, I have heaven for my eternity. But we can, not, we can take ourselves out. We need to remember that we're being tested. The life that we live is full of tests. And we have to know and believe that God is on our side and we're living in the promises that he has made. What we need to do is take a breath. Push the pause button. Take a deep breath. 
and know that we're not alone. God has my back. We're not alone. But see, we forget a lot to push that pause button. And we allow our emotions and our frustrations to get ahead of us. And and sometimes we'll do something really foolish or really stupid. But remember, Satan can't take you out. God's plan and purpose is for your life. So let's look at this scripture, Philippians 1, 19. The Apostle Paul said, For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. So obviously, the Apostle Paul here was going through something. And he says, I know. I know that I'm going to be taken care of, that it's, I'm going to be delivered through this because you guys are praying and the presence of God lives within me. Verse 20, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but, all, but with all boldness as always. So now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether in life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ. To die is gain. Praise God. Doesn't that excite you? It excites me. To die is gain. Because we get eternity with a God who loved us so much because we have believed. So what's so amazing about Christmas to me? I'll tell you what is. It's the fact that God in heaven came to earth as a human being. Think about it. We had the egg of a woman, the seed of God. He came into this beautiful virgin girl and was born carried and born as a human being. He is as human as you and I. He's a human being. But his, he doesn't have a seed of a man. He has a seed of God. He is all God. He is all man. And to me, that is mind-blowing. That is just phenomenal that God in heaven would send himself. He didn't send somebody to take care of business for him. He sent himself. Father God, Father Son, Father Holy Spirit, they're one. God came and trusted this 13-year-old girl to raise this baby. It's, that is phenomenal. That is absolutely incredible that God would come as a man because he knew that was the only way. That was the only way that he could pay the price for man's sin. There's no other way that could be done. I want you to see this in Hebrews, and I did it in the New Living Translation because it, it's, Hebrews can be hard to understand to begin with, but this New Living Translation made this scripture easier. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son of God, the, the Son, also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. 
only is this way, only in this way could he set free you and me, all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. There is no fear in dying. There is no fear. Now, I, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. I remember when my mother was in the rest home and she was close to, she hadn't had her stroke yet, but she could still communicate. But we knew that it, time was getting close. She was going to go home to see the Lord. And, and she said, I'm, I'm concerned. I said, Mom, you've loved the Lord all these years. and How could you possibly be concerned? She goes, oh, no, no, I, I know heaven's real. It's the transition. And I get that. It is the transition. It's like, all right, am I, am I going to wake up here and be there? Yep. I believe it. I, nobody's come back to tell me. You know, exactly how that transition goes from here to there. And we're human beings and we're, we're full of fear and full of thoughts thinking, you know, if I die, you know, what's, what's it going to really be like? Am I going to be dead until Jesus comes? No, the Bible tells us that absent from the body is to be in the presence of God. It's going to be an amazing, an amazing adventure. And it all comes through Christmas. That's what's so amazing about Christmas, that God came to earth as a human being. John 1, we read it earlier, but we'll read it again. In the beginning was the Word. That's God. And the Word was with God. I believe that's Jesus. And the Word was God. That's Jesus and God as one. He was the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made. In him was life, and the life was a light to men. So that's what's so amazing about Christmas to me. Is that God came as a human being. The creator of the, the universe. The, the one who made the air that you're breathing right now. It's, it's incredible. So let's look at one more scripture. I want to show you what I think is one of the most amazing scriptures in the Bible. It's in Matthew, Matthew 13. Verse 13 says, When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I am? the Son of Man. Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, verse 14, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah. Others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Jesus wasn't one of the prophets. He was God. But then he said to them, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? That's a question for you. 
That's the question that changes everything. This is the one that holds the key to the answers of heaven and hell. Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus went on to say, that's the only way you could have known is from God. He is the Son of the living God. He is God. Jesus wasn't just another one of the prophets that started another religion. Fact is, I hate the term religion. People say, well, you're religious. And I say, well, I hope you're meaning that I go to church every Sunday religiously. Because that's the only time I'm going to allow you to call me religious. And I'll tell you why. Religion is, God, is man's attempt to get to God. Christianity is God's attempt to get to man. I'm a Christian. And I believe in the one true God. That he truly came as God and rose up as a little boy and grew into a mighty man. And then we, he died on a cross. It was the only way he could pay for my sins. It was the only way. I don't deserve it. I've told you many times I don't deserve to be standing here before you, but I'm here. We need to believe. So I ask you the question. This is one you can go to your Christmas parties and you can continue on with your Christmas week and everybody have a wonderful time with family and kids and grandkids and all the wonderful things that we're going to experience this week. But who do you say? Who do you say that he is? It's the answer that only you can answer. And it makes all the difference between heaven and hell. It's who do you say? Amen?